Hello. It was Ed. Yes. Cool. And your name again? John. John. We'll yes. Do the Corona friendly. The fist bump. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Have a, have a seat. Sweet. Oi. <laughs> yeah, just be careful. Uh, oh, are there things on the seat? Yeah. Um, uh, it should be fine. We'll just put them on the table. Alrighty. Yeah. I listened to this wonderful podcast with Bobby McFerrin. Um, they do this one lady who does particularly cool podcasts. She yeah. does an unedited version, a raw version. Yeah, it gives you this wonderful little bit of space at the beginning of the podcast and the end of the podcast where you like you really get to feel the connection between the people. Cool. It's it's just like such an authentic lead-in. It's just yeah. I, I, I was interviewed by uh, Paul Blaze from the Potters cast the other day. Yeah. And uh, I, I said, there was one question where I hesitated. And then I said, I guess we'll cut that hesitation out. Here's my answer. <laughs> and he left it in. Um, and it was actually quite charming. Mm. Yeah. Nice. So, I think that is the way to go. Yeah. Cool. So... What do you want to know? Well, what I can say is Kieran has been singing your accolades. <laughs> <laughs> and I hold him in very high regard. So for him to be singing someone's accolades is a, definitely a good sign. Cool. So I'm yeah. glad to be meeting you and being in your space. And I can see a little bit of why he's excited to be hanging out with you. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. My curiosity is just to actually come and see your physical space and to like, experience a little bit of, of you, I suppose. Cool. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, my greatest joy is problem solving. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the, the ability to see a problem and um, digest it from a thousand different angles okay. is, is probably, hopefully, uh, what will change the world and cure the future. The future which has not been born yet. Oh, absolutely. But, but you know, the prognosis, yeah. I, I, I hear so many people being so negative about the yeah. future. And, yeah. you know, my diagnosis is the future is, is like incredible. You know, the person who will cure cancer has probably been born already. Yeah. You know, the person who will um, solve overpopulation by, I don't know, shrinking us down i mean if they can <laughs> if they can change our genetics that yeah. we become like the size of mice <laughs> like that like idea. there's plenty more planet <laughs> oh wow mary poppins <laughs> so so i think i think i think though you know there's no bigger problem than a war you know, yeah. people are coming to kill you and yeah, that's and, and we we're pretty aware of war with world war three just having started with, you know, Russia invading Ukraine and the domino effect that we all know will happen. Mm. But war has always been a catalyst for rapid technological advancement. Yeah. Mm. And the byproduct of World War I, World War II is what sets up our civilization and then mm. creates this leapfrog effect. So, I mean, I'm no supporter of war but it it does seem to do good for technology yeah 
So I think there were two things that popped up for me as you used the word technologies. I often associate technology with things like this, like a pair of electronic headphones or an electronic cellular telecommunications device. Um, whereas I've been shifting my thinking a little bit more in terms of what technology is, is like a paradigm can be technology, like thinking cognitive technology, thinking about things in a different way has the capacity to, to rapidly change the way that we experience the world. Mm -hmm. immediately change the mm -hmm. way that we experience the world mm -hmm. and the way that we interact in it. Mm -hmm. And I think that cogni cognitive technology, which doesn't require any material resources, mm. just requires communication and interaction and receptivity, I think, mm. um, is probably the most powerful way to facilitate change. And I think that is, in essence, what learning is. And Madiba kind of coined the phrase, I don't know if he actually said it or not, but the, that uh, education is the most powerful weapon you can use to change the world. Mm. Um, but in, in, in education, I often think like education is, being a South African, I've come across people who are from Zimbabwe and who have done A-levels or gone through a, a really good education system. And I don't really perceive my South African education as complete. It's like, I remember planting seeds in the ground for the first time at like age 19, 20, 21. I was like, holy crap, how come I've never done this before? Like, mm. how is it possible that, that I've never run a business before? That, that there's like a whole bunch of things that I don't know about the world, which I've had to go and find out for myself, which are not part of the industrial manufacturing process of putting people through a schooling system. Mm. Um, yeah. But to bring that back full circle to, to the technology advancing in, in a war space, I think that there's, in the war space, there's also been a lot of sort of cognitive development in terms of how, in terms of how people shift their thinking. Mm. Like you can't go and interact, well, if you go and interact with someone who's been to Auschwitz, or you maybe read a book mm. from someone who's been through it, extraordinary traumatic experience their cognitive shift is very evident and mm. um, let's just classify you laughed because somebody just kicked a basket full of tiles yes not yes. because of people going to Auschwitz. yes thank you because that you. that could come across that could really have come across the podcast. yes thank yes. you so back to sorry i was too distracted by by, <laughs> by your potential, potential <laughs> major faux pas thank so you. let's get back to the the, the trauma of Auschwitz, yeah. you were saying? So I think like now I've just been, I've been reading a book um, about kindness, essentially, and talking about, was talking about Second World War and how people in Second World War, when Hitler was bombing, uh, I think it was bombing the United Kingdom, mm. um, George, uh, Winston Churchill saw that London was like a major target and he was worried because he had read this particular book by this guy that all these other big politicians or, or presidential people had read. And the, the message conveyed by that book was that essentially you could disrupt people and they would be clamorous and, they, and everything would fall apart. Mm. But the opposite happened. People, the way that the book communicates it, at least I don't have personal experience, mm. but the way that the book communicates it is that 
that people during the time when bombs were being dropped, it, it actually brought people together. Mm. Like they weren't so worried about how much money you have and, and like mm. the separation between us. It was like, we work together. And mm. you also used the example of like the British humor. Um, our, our windows are gone. Our, our, spirits are, our spirits are good. Come in and try some on the mm. front end of a bar. Mm. Just like, this, I think that cognitive shift is, is something that could be taking place right now in some people's minds. It's, due it's to not, the pandemic. Due, due to the pandemic, but also due to this war. Like, mm. this war that's, that's breaking out, it's like, this... So I, I feel the war is being experienced by other people. So it's almost like, uh, do you know what a whipping boy is? I have a mental image right now, but no, I don't. So the king of England, okay. um, growing up, uh, when he was naughty, they, they couldn't beat him. So there was a boy that was instructed to spend 24 hours a day with him. And when he did something naughty, they would thrash the hell out of his whipping boy. And he'd watch the whipping boy's anguish and tears and feel remorse for what he'd done. Mm. And the Ukraine is our whipping boy. Uh, It's not happening to us, but it's definitely a warning for Mm. us. It's a bit messed up. (laughs) <laughs> whereas the pandemic physically happened to us yeah yeah that's that's been a thing yeah so I often say in a in a stabbing situation who is more traumatized you, you get stabbed or if you are told the story by your best friend who has been stabbed because your best friend is already busy recovering whereas because it actually hasn't happened to you it's even more traumatic because you can't deal with it because you're dealing now with purely potential it could happen to you tomorrow and (laughs) that fear is so much more debilitating than the fear of actually getting stabbed being stabbed once removed, somebody you love being stabbed yeah. is, is traumatic. And I think that's why <laughs> farm murders work so well, because it traumatizes an entire community. community, the relative network. It forces people to immigrate, to seek farms in other countries. And mm. it's, it's, it's tragic because I need to buy bread and who's going to grow my grain? I mean, I'm a selfish bastard. I want some grain. And the Ukraine is our breadbasket, you know, and now we don't get Ukraine grain and we don't get South African grain. So we, it's a bit of a bother. We need some grain. Mm. Hmm. Interesting way of framing it. It's a roller coaster thinking. I find sometimes when I get stuck in my head, touching my throat helps me to start the facilitation of communication again. 
I want to bring what you've just said and all of what you said about or go back specifically to you talked about problem solving seeing mm. problems and wanting to solve them I picked up this this piece of pottery, pottery, mm. pottery. porcelain tile porcelain tile thank yeah. you um, I picked up this porcelain tile as you were saying that figuring that when you talked about solving problems you were thinking largely in a design sense or in a like, in a I would say an architectural sense like in terms of connecting blocks together making an image complete making an image beautiful is that or is that what you were saying and if not what what were you saying or why did you say that say what why did you say that you love to you love to solve problems and this kind of what I got from what you said is that there's there's so many problems to solve and you'd like your brain to just keep on working on solving oh, problems. Well, yeah. So problem solving, um, it's, 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 a, it's a blessing and a curse. Um, mm. When I was 37, I got diagnosed as being a savant in terms of problem solving, um, which for me was a surprise because I believed I was an idiot until I was 37. Um, and I lived my life, you know, struggling with all the things I can't do but you know when when they tested me and they said no you have the most powerful uh, working memory we've ever tested I was like oh well what job can I get um, and they broke the bad news to me a bit later that actually I've got no task tracking abilities and I am a, a genuine idiot um, but you know so I've got both ends of the spectrum I suppose what in the old days was called an idiot savant and today the politically correct term is called a skills gap uh, but yeah I, I am voracious when it comes to hearing problems because so many of them to me uh, you know you can solve most problems within a few questions Hmm. my brain wants to ask a hundred questions right now or the first thing that most significantly comes up for me is the Japanese have this I believe the Japanese have this thing of asking why four times mm. to get to the bottom of something mm. it's like I can't think of a good example now. So you're asking why, 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 why am I making the tiles? Let's go with why, yes. Why are you making the tiles? So, so the, the, the deepest why is when I was five, my mother and grandmother were killed by a drunk driver. And that kind of plunged me and my family into a crisis, as, as all such things would. Mm. Um, we also changed city you know, six months later. So, you know, we, we, oh. we lost our primary caregiver. We lost all our connections and we were, you know, in Cape Town, living in Newlands. Uh, there's a stream behind the house and the, the joy that I would experience was finding a shard of porcelain in the river. Um, and then the magic of, is it Dutch? Is it French? Is it Portuguese? Is it Chinese? And all the different cultures. And 
you know, growing up in a time when we were taught kind of, we are the only people who are right and we dominate everything. And the farcical then you have a fragment and this fragment unlocks the world that no people in China are not inferior mm. if they can create such beauty that that resides for hundreds of years on an object fragments in a river and I in my grief can be walking with my feet in the water and find this fragment and you know the, the joy if there were a, a depiction of a human figure on that fragment even more wonderful and that extraordinary space of just different people being able to look at these fragments and unlock so much information locked in um, what an adventure um, I'm trying to create so that's an accidental wonder so I'm trying to create accidental wonder where by tiling a building in the city somebody oh. having a terrible day in a state of grief in a state of trauma in a state of whatever is rushing past and they brush past this facade of the building that's tiled with something from every culture on earth it's the ultimate mm. diplomacy object the ultimate mm welcoming object of saying I see you you are valid wow <laughs> wow yo and joy I want to bring joy and I believe that this is the closest I can come that a day in my life is banked in physical objects that will spread my glee forever so i get to go to antique shops and markets and buy things that i feel will trigger the joy response in others yeah i like that so much <laughs> i like that so much yeah, it's, 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 it's like my little subversion of the serious, boring, dull, grieving world. Yeah. And, and if everyone does their own little thing to bring delight. You know, like yarn bombers. They, they, yeah, they, yes, they, I, they, love, I love that when yeah. I see that. Exceptional. I saw, I've seen it in Grahamstown in the yeah. park. We're walking through the park and suddenly this is like pink cotton. Like, in, like yeah. a big, uh, almost like a... A big, a big scarf wrapped yeah. around the tree. Yeah. It looks like it's someone's given it a big hug. So. It, it says to <laughs> us, it could be different to what you're expecting. Mm. Because that's the cycle. We are, we are stuck, locked into believing things from 1540. Mm. You know, if you truly examine what you're thinking, you're thinking what your father thought. But then you truly examine what his thinking and he's thinking what his father thought. And you truly examine, and, and it, it's just the same trauma passed mm. down from every generation. Yeah. 
I want to share my emotion verbally for what I like what I experienced as you're talking about the city turning around like walking past a building and seeing it just clad in in beautiful tiles kind of glaring back at you staring back at you just it's really it was like a breathing in it was a ah <laughs> it really it like it 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 drew me in it it still draws me in so if you think this pulsates with vibrant energy you should go to portable and look at the mosaic house portable yeah this lady she's mosaiced every part of her house the ceiling is even mosaiced like mm-hmm. like she she's just mosaiced the garden is full of things that are covered in mosaic um She's arranging a mosaic festival that's happening in two months' time. Okay. And, and so last year they asked me to be festival artist. And they said, come. But they don't realize, you know, people see me and they don't realize how disabled I am. They just see the great side of it and all my capability. Yeah. Um, and they just assume, oh, it's high functioning. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not, I'm pretty low functioning but I function within my passion highly yes and so what I do is I'm really good at understanding how much I can give and then how to give that Mm. and multiply it through a network okay so I said well I've got 25 years of broken pottery I'm going to give you this huge midden of shards for the mosaic house and we're going to invite different mosaicists to come get a bag of shards and do their self-portrait so all these different people did their self-portrait and then they all arrived on the same day and stuck their self-portrait on the wall oh wow and what this allowed was a group of people to network with each other Oh, wow. And this kind of group photo in mosaic, but each person had individually done their own representation for himself. Oh, wow. And so that can be a little bit intimidating. If I were to say to you, do your self-portrait in mosaic, you might back away. So this year, to bring in even more participation, we using the theme, the Garden of Delights, Okay. So somebody might do a flower, somebody might do a leaf, somebody might do, you know, and everybody brings their thing from the garden. Obviously, somebody sketches on the wall, you know, vine trails, and then people put their flowers and leaves on to form this big group wall. Nice. And yeah, so that's, that's what I'm excited to share and be a part of. And... The great thing about it is because I don't do mosaic, I'm, mm. I make porcelain, I manufacture porcelain. So that means I'm not in competition with any of the mosaic artists, which mm. allows me to unite them. But if I were a mosaic artist, I would be their competition and couldn't yeah. unite them. And so the wonderful thing about the mosaic community is a hotelier will say, you know, we need this wall mosaic and we're opening in four weeks. Now, a mosaicist could never do a big wall in four weeks. 
So it's really important that they do have a network to be able to call on their friends to help them cross the finish line within the deadline. Yeah. And so that's why, you know, essentially you get three layers of cooperation. You've got the painting community, almost zero cooperation. The pottery community, we all cooperate because our raw materials, we need to know if we've got a problem. Is it our studio? Is it the supplier shop or is it the mine? And so we hit a problem, we immediately call each other and say, do you have the same problem? Yeah. And if everyone has the same problem, it's the mine. If half of us have the same problem, then it's the supply shop. If only we have the problem, it's our own stupidity. <laughs> yeah. So that's why potters need to network and, and naturally form community. But the mosaicists, they form community because of deadline. Because no one will ever believe that it takes that long for a mosaic. Yeah. And so they have to accelerate it through cooperation. You said something just now that has kept on popping up in my mind and I want to go back to it. Mm. Um, I mean, now you've just been talking about the, the power of networking and being able to sort of... You're outside of that circle, so you're able to kind of connect the people together without being in conflict with them, which I think is really wonderful. Mm. The, the, what I got earlier when you, were, when you were talking about sort of using your strengths, you sort of referred to yourself in a light, sort of saying that you're not highly skilled in a variety of other areas. But the, the message my take home was, if you can spend the amount of time that you're capable of spending in your strength zone, mm. that's when magic happens. That's, that's when, the win. That's the win. And if everyone did that, if yeah. everyone did that, like if everyone did that all of the time, I mean, or even half the time, I think mm. we would have a, like an amazing world. I, I mm. really think we have an amazing world, but I mean, I just mm. feel like I can only really look at it from my own perspective Myself looking at myself being in my strength zone the whole time, that would be, woo! <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah. And if, if I'm communicating that out, I think part of what you allow me to do right now, mm. just, just by, by communicating that, is, is it allows me to enter that strength space and, and be, be okay with it. It's like, mm. here we go. This is, this is who I am when my, I'm my greatest person, mm. you're allowed to be your greatest person too. Mm. Like, let it out. Mm. Don't, no point in, <laughs> in holding back. And, and it can be completely ridiculous. I mean, um, I hired a typist and dictated a dictionary. Ooh. And people thought I was stark raving mad. <laughs> That's and, so cool. And, and I was like, I, I think that I can get every English teacher to recommend that my dictionary is read with the literature of our time. Because in the future, people will be on mood suppressants. They won't mm. know what feelings truly are. And so it's a dictionary. In the present, people are already on mood suppressants. Uh, it, will, it will only increase. Mm. So, so Basically, my dictionary is a dictionary of emotion. It's called An Emotional Dictionary by John Bauer. And uh, every now and then I sell a copy on Amazon. Nice. It's, it's, it's really 
I got a rave review in the Cape Times. <laughs> nice. And people are still <laughs> confused. You know, like, why would you write a dictionary? And it's like, I just had a sense that that's what I'm good at. And when I went to a neuropsychologist to get diagnosed, you know, he took my report out, he looked, he was like, John, you're not a potter. <laughs> I said, oh, uh, what am I? He looked at my report, he said, you're a writer. I said, you know what? I did write a dictionary. And he nearly fell off his chair laughing because he thought I was joking with him because how many people, <laughs> how many people actually do yeah. write dictionaries? <laughs> um, and then I said, you, you can buy it on Amazon. It's $1.99. See, I'm even plugging it now on this podcast. Nice. <laughs> I'm pro. I'm super pro. <laughs> and it's, it's great because it just floats around in the ether. And, you know, if enough people give you $1.99, you by don't have gosh. to worry. Yeah, by gosh. <laughs> You've got a lot of $1.99. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so that's the space to be in is... Even if other people think that your strength is ridiculous, like I have a very particular way of understanding language and I, 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 I feel quite alone in the English I speak. Hmm. And so how do you solve that? Well, you write a dictionary, you make the circle bigger, you open the door, you say, step into my English language, my personal English language. So, mm. Mm. Do not disturb. So, that oh, so we don't get phone if we don't calls. get a telephone call in the middle. There we go. It can be like a little intercessory yeah. ad break there. So, what was a um, what is the name of your dictionary? An emotional dictionary. An emotional Bauer. dictionary by John Barr. Barr spelled B A U E R. Yeah, and, and uh, the byline is "I'm feeling Kylie Minogue." And other word and, and other emotions. <laughs> and and what <laughs> Yes. Oh, oh my oh. So, one of the honors, because I believe I'm the first person ever to write a dictionary of emotion. <laughs> and one of the honors is that essentially my approach to it was I hired the typist and I said her name was Tuesday actually. And I said, Tuesday, won't you Google. I might know this Tuesday. Tuesday Houston who paints octopuses. Is she from the United States? Does she speak with an American accent? No. Okay. But, but her surname is Houston. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Might be the same person. Does oh, she okay. have tattoos? Okay, whatever. I've met, met a Maybe. Tuesday at Africa Burn. Oh, okay. Yeah. Could be. She's very artsy. Okay. Uh, but, but essentially I said Tuesday. <laughs> um, Google a list of all the emotions and ask Google to alphabetize them. 
So we have this alphabetical list of all the emotions. You'd call out an emotion and I'd define it. Yeah. And um, she was really <laughs> great at keeping up. Uh, and and uh, then we couldn't find a, an emotion beginning with K. And I thought, I can't leave out a letter. One of my, how many letters are there? 36 or 52? Uh, 36 sounds more appropriate. Yeah, 30, one, of, one of my 36 children, you know, <laughs> how could I leave out K? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I thought, well, well, you have to invent an emotion. Um, and I thought, K, okay. What's the first thing that sprouts <laughs> to one's mind? K. Kylie Minogue? Of course. Of course. Um, and so we created an emotion in honor of, of her perseverance. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so nice. Yeah. And you decided to put that as a little caption for your dictionary. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I thought, I thought, you know. <laughs> we probably not going to track down a celebrity to endorse this dictionary. <laughs> but we can... Use the name on the front byline. Okay, we can... We, 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 well, you know, because, you know, Kylie has, has been absorbed into culture so thoroughly. Mm -hmm. I mean, Kylie is essentially <laughs> queer culture's icon, like Gloria Estefan. And, and so, you know, Kylie <laughs> herself isn't queer, but yet she's this icon. And I thought, well, that's, that's fantastic. Um, you know, which, which means that, that <laughs> once somebody has been sort of sublimated outside of themselves and turned into more of the um, yellow brick road, sense of it, it's it's the best way of explaining it is you've got an artist and an art critic and they are on a talk show mm -hmm. and the artist is standing there and says here's my painting the art critic spends 10 minutes talking about the, the zeitgeist what's happening here what's happening there and then reads the painting and says you know this river represents this and this and that and this and that and this and that and then they wheel out the artist and the artist says, that's all bullshit. I was actually thinking of my aunt, uh, Mavis, and this art critic is like completely wrong. Yeah. And then the art critic turns around and says, no, you are completely wrong. You are only the vessel. I am the academic. I am the water that people drink from. This painting is a cup that's part of a continuum of paintings oh, wow. and my learning is the true message of your painting. Interesting. And that is what enables me to take Kylie Minogue and transform her name into an emotion. I like that. Yeah. I really like that. <laughs> Oh man. <laughs> oh wow. You, once again, you said so many things there that my brain is like, choo, 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 but I've, I've, I've been practicing the art of deep listening as much as possible, which is to observe what is taking place and to, to hear it fully without 
like focusing on the question that you want to ask because otherwise yeah. you lose the presence of the experience. Yeah. There, as I said, there were several things that popped up. So you, you coined the Kylie Minogue emotion. There, there's, a, there's a musician from, I think he's from Sweden. It's called Mike Snow. It's spelled, spelled with two I's, Mike, M-I-I-K-E. Um, and he's got a song. I don't know what the, the song's name is, but one of the lyrics in the song is, I get a little bit Genghis Khan. I feel like that's also kind of got like an emotion yeah. for me. Like oh, I can yeah. imagine what a, I'm feeling a little Genghis Khan today. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Genghis Khan's love making preference. I did not. So did Genghis not. Khan would invade a village, conquer the village, and then all women in the village would be lined up outside his tent. And he would make love to every single woman in the village and that is why 10% of all people in the east are direct descendants of Genghis Khan oh wow I'm looking across the room at your friend your colleague and she's just like whoa <laughs> that's a lot <laughs> yeah wow that's a lot to take in so that's a pretty have they like DNA tested yeah. that? Like 10% of all people <laughs> in the East are related to Genghis Khan. Whoa, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of lots of relations, there's a postman in California. I think I heard the story. That's what yeah. popped up on me. Go for it. Go who, for it. Who fathered over 100 children. He would sperm he, donate it. No, no. What did he, he do? No, no. He believed he was barren. His wife was okay. unable to produce a child and he thought it was himself yeah and and he was a postman in an area where a lot of the a lot of the people were military families so the men were away yeah. so he was actually the main male figure in all these women's lives and oh, wow you know over the years <laughs> that's how the postman has got his title yeah bad name <laughs> over the years he had over a hundred children believing that he was infertile oh my word oh my word no one ever mentioned to him he wasn't just delivering milk yeah <laughs> oh the milk of life it's got to be a symbol for that yeah <laughs> no white water problem. and so at 89 years oh old, my gosh um, because you know, twenty three and me in these these genetic sites, they 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 found him in an old age home at eighty nine, and they said to him, "Do you realize you have over a hundred children?" And he was overjoyed. He said, "This is the most amazing gift ever. I I had no idea. I thought, mm, you know, so yeah." The the version of that story I heard, just to expand once more on that, mm -hmm. um, is, I haven't personally researched this, this song it's mm -hmm. told to me, that there was a gentleman who, who basically, he was offering like don services within a, in a sperm donation environment, and he, mm -hmm. he got all these sperm donations from a bunch of different people. And, and he swapped it for his. All of them were his, so yeah. he's like the father of like yeah. some ten thousand children or thousand children. Or yeah, something so so it was a like... doctor at a fertility clinic. Okay, so that's what it and, is. And he realized that he could boost his earnings by rather than buying in sperm, he just used his own. Oh my word! 
I don't know if there's a feeling associated with that, but like, yo, oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and so there's a new term, diblings, diblings. which are donor siblings. Okay. And so basically they're all these... So you're related to someone through... The yeah, they're your half brother or half sister. Yeah. Through the donor. That must be... Family gatherings must be pretty big. Break a lot of plates if you're Greek. Yeah. Keep you in business. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> By the way, if you need some plates to break, Greek people of the world, I'm your man. www.johnbauer.com? Johnbauerart.com. Johnbauerart.com. John Bauer. Bauer spelled B-A-U-E-R. Yeah. Johnbauerart.com. Although I think that all Greek people have now been offended by me saying Greek people of the world. Um, an umbrella term that might not be woke enough. So I apologize. I am not the most woke bloke. <laughs> they, they are now doubly offended because they actually quite like Greek people as a term. Oh, Maybe. I don't maybe. know. I was, I was chatting with my, uh, my, my wife has many sisters and so yes. I have many sister-in-laws and um, we were chatting and uh, I was talking about dwarf tossing because dwarf tossing for me is a total fascination. And um, it's like throwing a log, but throwing a person. What is that? Yeah, dwarfs in Velcro suits where they throw them against inflatable walls with the Velcro on the wall. It's a real thing. It's a real thing, yeah. And it's big. Where is that happening? In America. Dwarf, in a- dwarf tossing and dwarf bowling. And, but they were. Presumably, the, these people are like happy with being they, they, a part it's of the a process. It's a very high-earning profession. It's probably the most money you can make as a dwarf. Even more than acting? Maybe. Probably not. Maybe not. Yeah. But I mean, like as a, as a sustainable practice, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, because yeah, you know, it's a man. gig every night. Um, but, but essentially, they got really offended <laughs> and so said wild. that I should be using <laughs> the term little people. But um, they got I'd offended actually, by which term? Dwarf. Dwarf. Okay, so so so, so my sister-in-laws were too woke for me, and I actually was woker than they because I had seen a documentary where dwarves were complaining that little people is confusing because little people is actually what midgets like to be called, not dwarfs, and they are really happy with the word dwarf because it's accurate. And so my wife, because my wife is always having to clear up the mess between her, um, <laughs> her furious sisters, who they, they like to get cross with me. Um, <laughs> it happens. <laughs> and uh, so I played her the documentary that I had seen that had educated my opinion. And she was like, you know, you are absolutely right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send them this documentary. And, you know, there's nothing more fun than an incredibly woke person realizing that their wokeness had gone like one step too far you know because woke is an algorithm okay you know like my favorite thing to say to a woke person is why can't horses vote and you know horses should be able to vote if you woke enough and and so that's the thing is that in the future, with Elon Musk's neural network, which goes into your brain and can translate your thoughts to a computer, horse poetry is going to be like the biggest thing. It's going to put human poets out of business. <laughs> <laughs> but 
because there is nothing more poetic than a horse and the things that they will generate all music will be <laughs> lyrics written by horses <laughs> and instrumental solos written by spiders <laughs> who's going to play the drums then <laughs> the spider's not available <laughs> They will miniaturize drum kits so that the spiders can. <laughs> so, so, so it's only a matter of time mm. before our world catches up to that. Yeah. But woke people aren't yet perceiving that horses should have the vote. Because in future people will not be able to fall in love without a wooing stanza from a horse. I think I could give horses a run for their money. I think I could say something funny that rhymes with something other than honey. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps you'll even pay me some money. <laughs> yeah. 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 My philosophy about poetry is you only need to know one poem. So, so... What's your one poem then? Is that... So, so it, it has to fit into a dinner party between main and dessert yeah. and it goes like this move please mr cow although you won't anyhow i've never seen a cow move unless he had an itchy hoof and itchy hooves are very rare mostly cows just lay there Honk, honk, honk your horn. Resting cow, barely dawn. Does he even understand? He understands. This is cowland. Nice, mm. nice. Mm. <laughs> I approve. It must be fast, it must be short, and it must be silly. And, and, that's all, you know, that, you know it, it, we, we live in a world which requires you to be deeply superficial and, and, and have one of everything. Like uh, curating your cabinet of curiosities. Of Absolutely, sort. yes. I never thought of a cabinet of curiosities as being a collection of intangible things as well. Mm. Like you'd have your favourite song. I do have a piece of poetry, actually. Oh! Uh, I don't know if it's, it's uh, whatever, let's just go. Mm. Ladles and jelly spoons, mm. I come before you to stand behind you to tell you something I know nothing about. Next Thursday, the day after Friday, there'll be a ladies' meeting for men only. If you can come, please stay at home. Admission is free, you'll pay at the door, we'll give you a seat, but you'll sit on the floor. It makes no difference where you sit, the kid in the gallery is sure to spit. Did you write that? I did not. Oh. I picked that up in grade five, standard yeah. three. There were, there were a few... It stuck with me. <laughs> a few ripples in the distant memory. Yes. Where, you know, but it, 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 it sort of felt like it was part of a genre of poetry. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think it, it has a weird quality about it that, that seems, seems to have the capacity to be a genre. Yeah, sort of that mi mind-melding, melting, <laughs> surreal sort of space. 
<laughs> what does Salvador Dali have for breakfast? He has a bowl of cereal, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> Can we have a little mosey around your yeah. cereal? So this, where we've just been now, this is, what would you call this area? This so is, this is a table of tiles, and I'm sorting it. A table of tiles, I like alliteration so much. I'm, I'm about to fly to Sacramento, California, uh -huh. and talk at the world's biggest ceramic conference, mm -hmm. which, which is a, a, a bizarre thrill, seeing I left school and sat in my garage with a lump of mud, um, and to be considered a global authority is very old you know, that's really cool all my friends went and studied something and did something and took life incredibly seriously and I looked at life and I said we could be dead five minutes from now I can't invest that much time in yeah. any one action yeah. <laughs> yeah you know like we have the now um Karen, I think, experiences that. The, 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 you know, he tries to make appointments and, and he gets it right a lot of the time, but a lot of the time I'm, I'm just fizzing in the now. And sometimes he can get through on the, on the WhatsApp and sometimes I'm fizzing in the now. In the now, yeah. And, and it's really hard to nail down why you know, why one is, is able to be reliable in certain moments and, and uncontactable in other moments. Mm. Um, like me right now, very uncontactable. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Fizzing in the now. So these, these beads, I, I invented a kaleidoscopic printing nozzle which changes the pattern as it prints the sausage, which is then sliced into these discs. Uh, it's based on the Roman technique, uh, which was adopted by the uh, Venetians, creating the millifore, which is meaning the millions of flowers, which are the glass paperweights with the little flowers in them. And, you know, I married somebody who's half Italian, and I thought, let me, let me open my mind to Italian culture and, and Roman psyche by making some objects that are reminiscent of those cultures. Mm. Um, I also have a passion for job creation and the only way to make the change is to make something that can be put in somebody's hand and you say, now do something. You know, because you mm. can see somebody who's desperately poor at a traffic light and you can talk till you blue in the face. They have, they have hit a low point and words aren't going to help them. Mm -mm. But something of incredible beauty that they can interact with, put a string through, have some sort of level of self-esteem that they've now made something and sell that. Mm. You're providing a path into self-worth and a path into earnings. And, you know, we even tried... We, we made up a hundred boxes with an entrepreneurship course in the box and um, we, we distributed them and at the end it said if you want more beads come to the Common Good Foundation because I was working, working through the idea with uh, Pam Snedden who's involved with the Common Good Foundation 
And it's something I'd love to do on a much larger scale where one gives an entrepreneurship course, which includes things like Instagram marketing. And then you get the resources and the means of production into rural Africa, where there are people who are desperately poor, where one sale a month would transform their lives. Wow. You know, that, that's what I think would be truly wonderful, because if we don't solve these problems, they will only grow. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes me think of something you said earlier about the future. It's, it's almost certain that if you follow the trajectory, the, the, the direction that something has been flowing in consistently, it has momentum, it is only likely to continue in that light unless something very considerable changes. Life is sort of like a cruise ship, a giant vessel, mm. and it has got momentum and it's got power and it mm. doesn't U-turn immediately. Mm. Even a handbrake turn takes, mm. takes a little time to take effect. But if you look at society, we today, the average human, eats a diet as rich as the King of England in 1540. Wow. So that's pretty amazing that we today eat like kings of that time. So there is very, very definite progress. There's two things I want to say to that. One is source, like source, and the other is source. Do you have a source for that? There's some way I can read up about that. I'd say Google, Google it. it. I just, it was one of those things that passed yeah. by on the internet. And yeah. I was... I can believe it. I just, I, I, I'm I, curious. Yes, well, I mean, the thing is that... Um, in 1540, they didn't have the farming technology we have now. Yeah. They, they, they definitely didn't have any level of industrialization. That's a fascinating thing. How many years between the inventing of mechanized weaving and the mechanization of planting seeds? How many years? Yeah. Ooh, I don't know when mechanized weaving came about. But, but, you know, mechanized weaving is far more complex yeah, you would than planting seeds mechanically. Planting a seed mechanically. So, so, you know, so, so the, the analogy explains something because it's possible if you've invented the one, it's clearly it's possible to invent the other. Mm. But it wasn't invented. And how many years do you think passed between the one invention till the next? One hundred. A hundred years, yeah. Tapped into your brain there. <laughs> <laughs> brain borrowing, it's, yes. a, it's a good skill. Yeah. Unique and bespoke matchbox tiles. By that's, that's really fun. So that Pepsi bottle cap I okay. bought at a shop in Fisher called Collaborate. Mm -hmm. And he, he sells all these old objects and it's, it's you know I, I saw the Pepsi bottle cap and I I thought by golly 50 bucks that's a lot to spend on a bottle cap <laughs> but you did I did and now it'll give you double your money back oh, absolutely <laughs> <laughs> yeah nice and that's uh, Japanese embroidery so 
I love working with embroidery because... Oh, wow, that's so cool. Thank you. Yo, that's amazing. Thank you. It wow, op- that is so cool. So it opens the door for me to collaborate with... On ceramic. That's yeah. so cool. And the texture is still yeah. there. The- yeah. So it opens the door for me to collaborate with many other embroiderers. So if you are an embroiderer, you don't have to be from Japan, anywhere in the world. Um, you see, it's so easy. They can post me their embroidery. It's light, it's cheap to, to ship. And then I produce tiles. Um, and, and it's their way of um, participating in my project of tiling buildings and putting something of their creativity onto the building. Okay. So the, the idea is that another artist can take my tiles as pixels and put their own image on the building. So from oh. afar, it might be a Peter van Straten image on the building. But then up close, you fall into each pixel. Each tile oh, wow. being a pixel is a beautiful object in its own right. Your... Do you know what NFTs are? I am hoping somebody will do NFTs on my behalf. I'm, I'm very interested in exploring that. You might have the genius two steps over from you right now. Fantastic. <laughs> because I'm definitely seeing NFT here. I'm imagining someone with a set of what do you call those virtual goggles on mm. looking up at this wall mm. and being like, I'll take that one. Mm. I'll take that one. And I'm like, oh, I definitely need that one. <laughs> that one. Mm. That one is really nice. My gosh, that is really nice. Yeah, I'd, I could definitely see this as a NFT marketplace. Yeah. Oh, man. This is incredible. Yeah. The light coming in here, shining, the sun shining off that white door out there is also providing beautiful light. This is really fun. That's um, one of the Israeli politicians, Moshe, and you see he's got an eye patch. Yeah. And so I was so thrilled to find a coin with a man with an eye patch on it. Like, nice. you never see an eye it's patch. So on unique. Coin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Moshe. Yeah. M-O-S-H-E-R? It's, it's, yeah, it's written there on the, on the coin. Moshe. Right. We're going to have to have a little interlude because... Mm, you try and keep it to an hour. Well, I have to keep it to an hour with, with this, with this um, wonderful piece of software that I'm using called Anchor. So I shall now play a solo of When the Saints Come Marching In on my imaginary trumpet. I love it. Imagination works so well these days. I love it. I wanted to join in with a little... (laughs) (laughs) Next time? Maybe next time. Yeah. Cool, we're going to cut it there and we'll be back in a moment.